Hey, Rarecast listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new program from Global Genes called Data DIY. Access to data is essential for advancing the understanding and treatment of rare diseases. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is to be as savvy about data as researchers and clinicians. The Global Genes Data DIY program teaches organization leaders how to become empowered data owners and stewards. If you'd like to learn more about the program, attend an upcoming Data DIY workshop, or view resources, go to globalgenes.org forward slash data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Keisha Greaves was studying for a career in fashion and business when she was diagnosed with limb girdle muscular dystrophy, a rare and progressive neuromuscular condition. Rather than let her disease sidetrack her entrepreneurial vision, she's used it as a source of inspiration. Greaves launched Girls Chronically Rock to produce t-shirts and adaptive clothing that celebrates and empowers people with chronic disease. We spoke to Greaves about her experience with chronic illness, her vision for Girls Chronically Rock, and her efforts to bring adaptive wear to mainstream retailers. Keisha, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm very excited and appreciate it. We're going to talk about Girls Chronically Rock, Limb Girdle Muscular Dystrophy, and your efforts to harness your interest in fashion design and your entrepreneurial spirit into a form of patient advocacy. Let's start with your own journey. What is limb girdle muscular dystrophy? How does it manifest itself and how does it progress? I'm sure. So limb girdle muscular dystrophy is a form of muscular dystrophy. They come in several different subtypes, which is something I am still learning myself, such as like they have two I, two B, two C, where it, it um, affects, like, different parts of our muscles, but, like, in our shoulders, like, some of us can't walk up and down stairs. Um, it's hard to say, like, if we're sitting in a seat to get up from, like, for instance, even a toilet, like, I need the raised toilet seat or some kind of grab bars by me, you know, in order for me to get up off the toilet, or if they're not around, I really can't get up off the toilet. So for my limb girdle muscular dystrophy, I am kind of a mystery, as my neurologist says. So it is determined I have limb girdle muscular dystrophy, but I don't know my subtype, and I have taken several different genetic testings, such as saliva tests and blood work with um, different neurologists at different hospitals, and they all have came back inconclusive. So I find it so weird. So I actually just came back from a limb girdle muscular dystrophy conference Labor Day weekend um, early last month. Wow, I can't believe it's October already, so maybe around a month now. It was in Chicago, and there were different researchers and doctors there, and they said even although there's, like, clinical trials, um, you know, coming up in the next few months or so, because I don't know my subtype, I'm not even able to participate in a clinical trial to, you know, to test out to see, like, a treatment or any type of drug because since they don't know my subtype, they wouldn't know exactly what 
you know, type of drug or treatment to give me, you know, which sucks. Because I kind of feel like, why not just try it, you know? I'm like a guinea pig, like, let's just go for it. You don't know till you try it, right? But I was told, like, they can't do that because they're like, you could honestly, like, possibly grow a third eye, you know, if you try any type of drug and we don't know your subtype. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that extent. But um, Slim Girdle is what I have. We actually just celebrated our fifth awareness day just on Monday, September 30th. So that is exciting. I get um, the proclamation from my mayor of City of Cambridge so they can declare and, you know, for the City of Cambridge to acknowledge aware of limb girdle muscular dystrophy. And I actually got the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, to also do the proclamation for limb girdle muscular dystrophy this year. So I am excited about that. But it is a disease. It does progress over time. Mine has definitely progressed, um, like, yeah, within, like, because I was diagnosed around 22, 23 when I was in graduate school. So it definitely has progressed over time, like bodies just getting weaker, more fatigue. I'm in a wheelchair now. I'm no, I'm still able to stand up and walk a little bit with my walker, but like to walk up and down stairs now or to walk, like, say, down the street, like, no way. So it definitely has progressed over time, but that's something the neurologist did tell me. You know, I was completely aware of that, that, you know, these diseases, you know, do progress over time. It's only going to get probably worse, you know, fatigue, um, more weaker, but, you know, I'm just, trying to stay hopeful and hopeful that there is kind of treatment or cure one day and hopefully I'm able to try it and we figure out my subtype, even if we don't. <laughs> so that's where that is. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I blabbled on a lot. <laughs> how did you come to get diagnosed? What what led you to a doctor and how long did it take to get diagnosed? Oh, sure. So what led on is, you know, I was perfectly, you know, able-bodied before. I went to high school, was able to walk up five flights of stairs. I used to play softball and so it was like weird. I all of a sudden, I know, like, I would just repeatedly fall. Like, my leg would kind of, like, just give out. Like, without any warning, any notice, I would, like, be walking to the supermarket with my mom and sister, and they even witnessed it where I would just kind of completely fall to the ground and my leg would just give out. And so at that time, I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm, like, you know, not, like, skinny mini. You know, I'm looking a little bit thicker. So I'm like, oh, I just need to lose weight. You know, no big deal. You know, just kind of brushed it off. But then, you know, it just kept on happening and I noticed when I started to do exercise like it was kind of hard to like say lift up my right arm because that's also something you know people with muscle diseases like it's like say hard for me to reach out to give you a hug or a handshake so I kind of noticed like my arm was kind of weak so I'm like something's not right so my mom was like let's go to Tufts Medical Hospital out here in Boston she was like maybe we can go see an orthopedic it's maybe something in the foot so we go see an orthopedic and I would never forget that appointment. The two doctors came in and they're like, you know, can you raise up your leg? I wasn't able to raise up the leg. And, you know, they just both looked at each other like, you know, they were like, I think you need to see an neurologist because this is more like, you know, they can tell this is not something with the feet. So I'm like, all right, still not thinking anything of it. I'm sure it's no big deal. So I finally see my first neurologist um, out here in Cambridge. Her name was Dr. Catherine Wang. I love her. And so, you know, I just started seeing her. We did several testings. We did MRI. EKG, EMG, we did a muscle biopsy where they took a piece of muscle out of my right leg. And from that muscle biopsy, that's when they determined that I had muscular dystrophy. But with all the testings and all that, it probably maybe taken about, I would say, a few months. And then that's when, you know, I got the phone call and she's like, you have muscular dystrophy. And I'm like, you know, huh? Because I'm like, I never heard of it. I was, you know, some of us, when we get sick, I was online, like, you know, diagnosing myself. I'm like, oh, I have MS because... A lot of people hear about multiple sclerosis opposed to muscular dystrophy. I never heard of it. I'm like, oh, maybe I have MS, but I'm still, like, not. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, probably no big deal. I just need to exercise. But 
you know, it honestly took oh, quite some time for me to acknowledge that I even had muscular dystrophy because her telling me that, and although I know it was on paper and I see other doctors for, you know, a second opinion, like I was in total denial. I wasn't really telling anybody, family, friends, you know, just like, you know, maybe like close family, obviously they knew, but even going on job interviews and I walked with a cane, I would tell them, oh, I was in a car accident or I sprained my ankle instead of just saying, you know, I had muscular dystrophy. So it's like looking back then, it's like, you know, I came a long way. If you had asked me a few years ago, oh, would you be see yourself talking or sharing your story? I'll be like, no way. Because in my head, I'll be like, why would I share a story? And that's not what I have. You know, because every time I went back to the doctors, I was thinking they were going to have something wrong. Or tell me, oh, we made a mistake. You don't have that. But, you know, it's, that's where I'm at now. And all I can do is take things day by day. And I'm a true believer in things, certain things happen for a reason. So, you know, that's what, where I'm at. And what impact does the condition have on your everyday life? Everyday life, like I tell people, I kind of like don't know. It's like, you know, I just kind of wake up, take it day by day. Like as much as some people may say, oh, yeah, you got this. It's mind over matter and you're strong. It's like, yeah, but that's to an extent. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't have muscular dystrophy to begin with. So it's like, you know, I kind of wake up sometimes. My body may feel, um, you know, very fatigued, very tired. You know, I don't know what, um, you know, if my legs feel like they want to give out. If, you know, I can't stand in the shower too long to take a shower. So it's like little things like that where it's like, you know, I almost feel like I, I never know. So I just honestly get up, take it day by day, just try to stay strong, get out the bed carefully, get to the bathroom carefully. Like I tell people, I'm like, what an able-bodied person may not like think about like, oh, like little things. That's like, for someone with a disability like myself, it's like, we're just happy to get in the shower without safety. You know, so it's like little things like that, just getting dressed, putting on my underpants and pants and things like that. It's like, oh, that was like, I just ran a marathon and that's with PCA health. So yeah. it's like every day like that, it's like, you know, so I just kind of wake up, but honestly, just looking forward to my business, focusing on that. And, you know, just like the different inspirational messages I get on Instagram and things like that. That honestly, what keeps me going and just striving and, you know, big different things like that. Do you use anything to treat the condition? Um, no, there is no treatment or cure at the time. Only thing that there is is honestly physical therapy. And right now I do aquatic therapy at Spalding Rehab out here in Massachusetts, Charlestown, Mass. And it is amazing because when I am in the water, I, I can do things in the water that I can't do on land, which I love. So it's like I'm like a mermaid in me. You know, I can do jumping jacks. I can, you know, do knee lifts without, you know, feeling like I'm going to fall over with my balance. So I'm trying to do the aquatic therapy at least once or twice a week. You know, just to get that active, you know, movement going, especially, you know, the weather's getting cold. So it's like at least the pool is inside. So I'm just definitely trying to do that. And, you know, just trying my best just to keep the muscles active and just, you know, doing what I can. Well, let's talk about Girls Chronically Rock. For people Yay. not familiar with the company, what is it? Um, Girls Chronically Rock is a clothing brand. It was um, launched in 2017. I am the owner and founder, the only person who runs it. I um, run it pretty much by myself. And I created Girls Chronically Rock because I wanted to create something to help inspire and motivate others that may be dealing with a chronic illness like myself or disability, mental illness, or whatever they're going through on a regular basis. I knew what I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur um, you know, fashion business owner. And I um, also got my undergrad from fashion design and merchandising from Framingham State University. So with all that being said, after being diagnosed, of course, that put a damper on some things 
you know, I'm like, you know, not knowing what the future holds, what's going to take place. I'm just like, you know, what's going on? That's a lot to process. Well, then after finally coming back, you know, writing some blogs, sharing my story, I'm like, you know what? This might be a reasoning for me to, you know, share my story and incorporate, you know, a fashion business, which I always wanted to create. And I knew I wanted the name to have the word chronic in it for chronic illnesses, but I didn't know exactly how I wanted it to incorporate and come together. Honestly, I was just lying down in one, my bed one night and I thought, girl, chronically raw. And I just like, I loved it, ran with it from there. And yeah, I just, I just, I loved it. I loved the name. And so my line consists of t-shirts of different inspirational quotes like, Trust your dopeness, which that was inspired to trust and believe in yourself, no matter what you're going through. Everyone's favorite seems to be, hello, my name is chronically ill badass. Everyone seems to like that. I also have walk with a twist, because we all have our own signature walk, whether it's with a cane, a wheelchair, whatever. And I recently just launched a kid's line, and I do have some like um, silicone bracelets and cuff bracelets. But I plan to do so much more under Girls Chronically Rock. I recently just started making some of my t-shirts adaptive. Because adaptive um, clothing is, you know, coming so much more bigger in awareness. Some, so much designers are more creating it because people don't understand. So people with disabilities, it takes us so long to get dressed on a regular basis. So if we can just find something more easier and functional, that would be awesome. So I would like to come out with a Girls Chronically Rock adaptive clothing collection in the near future. But, you know, also clothing brand, I'm looking to make this into an empire, but also into a movement. For people not familiar with adaptive wear, can you just take a moment and explain how it works? I'm um, sure. So adaptive wear, for instance, can be functional, like say on T-shirts where um, in the back um, they can, you know, make it functional to make it like snaps with magnetics or Velcro in the back where opposed to like we don't have to like struggle bending over putting a T-shirt over our head. Where opposed to we can kind of just put our arms in and then the back will just, you know, either magnetic the better with the magnetic buttons or Velcro. Another thing is Tommy Hilfiger with some of his stuff. He has a jacket where you put on the jacket and you know what? It may be a struggle to put the zipper in, you know, that part to zip it up where he has magnetic buttons where, boom, it just kind of snaps together. And then that way someone like, you know, myself is then it's easier than for us to pull up. Another thing is like he may have magnetic buttons like on the paint instead of, you know, trying to um, zip that up and, you know, it's just like a struggle. So different like functional things where like an able-bodied person may not, you know, think about it's like it would be more functional for us. So like just snapping it in the back, the zipper being magnetic and, you know, so much different things. So it's just about making the clothing more functional and easier for us to put on on a daily basis. And right now you sell through your website. What are you doing in terms of your efforts to get your clothes into department stores? Um, honestly, I am just trying my best. I am sending emails almost every day to such as TJS Corporation, Macy's, Target, um, Tommy Hilfiger, and also tagging them as well on social media, um, especially from my designers that I look up to, like Timor Lee Simmons. I love Bethany Frankel. That I feel like she's a true hustler with, you know, her brand that she came up with, you know, coming from um, Housewives of New Jersey. And then she's, um, you know, now has like her own like alcoholic line and food beverage and She's a true hustler, and I love her when she's on Shark Tank. So I truly admire her. So I'm always, like, tagging different um, people on social media, such as, like, Ellen, The Talk, Oprah. You know, so I am just trying my best, and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that one day I just get an email, a phone call from one of these people, department stores, and that will just make my day. So that is honestly what I'm doing right now, to spread the word, 
trying to get featured on different um, talk shows, podcasts, writing my blogs, and just, yeah, taking it day by day. Has the fashion industry neglected the needs of people with disabilities? I feel like back then, probably, it had gotten better. But I also have to take account that, for me, I feel like because I always was not, say, had a disability, I was diagnosed later on in life, you know, with, um, you know, muscular dystrophy in my early 20s. So I kind of feel like when I was able-bodied, it's like, of course, I was not thinking about, oh, yeah, is this, you know, adaptive or is this functional? Where opposed to now, it's like it opened my eyes so much more. And so it's like, you know, especially like my family and friends, it's like now that, you know, they see what I struggle with, like going to accessible places or getting dressed, it's like now they are more aware. So I kind of feel like from what I've been told to people that they had a disability from small, they say now the game has changed so much more and they say it's getting so much better than it than what it was years ago. So I'm glad to hear that. And what's the response you hear from customers? Oh, regarding my girls trying to be Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, they seem to like it. Like I said, they're the ones that keep me going when I get, like, inspirational messages or I, they get their order and then they, like, tag a picture and put it on social media and say, hey, go check out Girls 23 Walks. She has this great inspirational line. It's like, I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, that really does touch my heart And when I get, like I said, direct messages and people want to find out, you know, when this T-shirt may be coming back in stock. So it's like, so I seem to so far be getting a great feedback and um, great awareness. And so that definitely makes my day just to, you know, see that customers are happy with the brand. Are there things you'd like people to understand about living with a chronic disability? Um, I would like people to understand that it's kind of, you never know what someone's dealing with on a regular basis. And that's just kind of opened my eyes regarding disability and able body. It's kind of like, you never know why, say, a person may be walking that way. Why a person may be, say, parked at a handicapped spot. Because I know that when I was first diagnosed, I was, you know, maybe more able to walk before and when I used to park at handicap spots, it's like the stairs I used to get, it's like, oh my goodness. And it's like, you know, you kind of know, obviously I have a handicap sign for a reason. They don't just hand them out. So, you know, just like things like that, where it's like you kind of never know somebody's story, what they're dealing with, you know, why I say they may be in a bad mood, why they may be depressed, why they're sad. And, you know, you just kind of never know. But dealing with uh, chronic illness, it's like, you know, that's something that is out of our hands, something we can't control. And, you know, it's kind of like we're taking it day by day and, you know, just keep that in mind that it's like you kind of don't know what it feels like. So you can't just say like, oh, yeah, take some Advil and take some Tylenol where this is something I hear on a regular basis from other people I follow with chronic illnesses on social media. Or they're like, oh, you know, get better or, you know, um, mind over matter. It's like, no, because until you're living with, say, a disability or chronic illness, it's like you can't comment on that. This is not like, say, I just broke up with my boyfriend and, you know, I can get better. No, this is something that's out of our hands. This is something that came upon us, and that's something that we have to deal with and taking it day by day. So that's something that I kind of, my message to, you know, people out there that may not be aware of that. You alluded that you have a, a much bigger vision for this than a clothing line. How do you move from a clothing line to a movement? Um, Yeah, just people like kind of just spreading awareness about disability and, you know, like my inspirational t-shirts, you know, to inspire and motivate others and, you know, my movement with um trying to get more speaking engagements with hopefully I'm looking to travel, you know, to go to different like rare, rare disease and, you know, speaking engagements where I can share my story and then also tell them and explain how Girls Chronically Rock got inspired and hopefully get on some TED Talks and things like that. But just looking to get it into a movement, you know, with just like, you know, participating in, say, New York Fashion Week, different fashion weeks and, 
able to share my story with, you know, my line at the same time. So it's like, people know, like, join the movement. It's all about Girls Chronically Rock. <laughs> Keisha Greaves, founder of Girls Chronically Rock. Keisha, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.